there, podcast listeners. It's been kind of a crazy world these days. We got coronavirus. We got riots in the street. We got protesters protesting protesters. We got people destroying statues. And we have presidents who stoke the fires of hostility. Those of us in the entertainment industry just sitting around waiting, hoping things will get back to normal, waiting for films to pick up theaters to open, TV shows to shoot, wondering what we should be doing with our time these days. Hopefully, you're using the time somewhat wisely. I'm uh, attempting to memorize some monologues, which I'm doing terribly at. I'm, of course, making this podcast. I'm attending workshops online and listening to speakers. And that is why I think you will enjoy today's guest, Allen Morrison. She is a Texas-based actress, and she is using her downtime to help promote her career. She has a great system of daily spreadsheet checklists. She reaches out to people in the industry. Like me, she is a member of Backstage, which is an online casting website who is doing a great job of providing resources to people who are stuck without work right now and learning to uh, expand upon their skill set. And even if you're not a member, they also have a YouTube channel that has a lot of stuff on it as well. And of course, there are plenty of other YouTube channels out there with interviews with famous actors and filmmakers and full of tutorials that you can be using to fill your time these days while waiting to get back onto the set or the stage. Myself, uh, yeah, I could probably be doing a little bit better. I have a hard time working from home. I'm one of those people that when I'm at home, I tend to sit and veg in front of the television or read a book or sit on the balcony and stare longingly into the distance. I, uh, When it comes to writing, I like to go to a coffee shop or some other location. Of course, as a wannabe actor, I like to have those interaction with other actors where you're feeding off of each other's energy, something that's much more difficult to do when you're on a Zoom cast. But I'm trying. I'm doing my best, and I hope you are as well. And I hope you are staying hopeful that we are seeing things beginning to open up in certain areas, that uh, casting agents are still looking for castings, that filmmakers are coming up with creative ways of filming stuff at home or remotely, and uh, that you're just doing the best that you can. With that, I guess I will get on to my discussion with Alan Morrison. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed talking to her. I am Milo Dennison, and this is Diary of an Unemployed Actor. Yeah, do you find it hard to be as productive as you want to be? Yeah, for sure. I actually have a to-do list on my dining room table, and that gives me kind of specific things to do. Of course, I can always just ignore the to-do list and decide not to do it. I found that if I break things down into tiny little steps, then I feel very accomplished when I get to cross those things off of my list. Mm. So if uh, actors have all of these different casting websites that we're on, and if I need to, like right now, I need to add a few things to my resume, on all of these different casting websites. So I have specific to-do lists, like add classes to casting networks, Backstage, Frontier, Casting Now, Mandy, and I get to cross off each site that I add my classes to. And then I feel like I've actually done something. Backstage has been really good uh, during the lockdown about doing the online kind of seminars and workshops. And Oh, yeah. Out of all of them, I've been really impressed. Watching so many. I have a notebook that I've had since I started working full-time. And then I say working, pursuing full-time. And uh, half of it has come from the past three months where I've been watching Instagram Lives, Zoom meetings, Facebook Lives, Backstage Lives. And I've just been taking notes. Mm. So many notes from casting directors, uh, people in the industry who are experts. It, it, there's, of course, so many, and I'm not going to be able to watch all of them, and I don't have to watch all of them. So I'm giving myself grace to not watch all of them and go crazy. Yeah. But I have been writing down so many notes. 
have this huge spreadsheet of casting directors and I take notes on, you know, where do they live? What shows do they cast? Uh, what's their address? If I can find it, do they like props? Do they like it when you get there early? There was one casting director who said, our office is really small. Don't get there 15 minutes early. It was really interesting. Okay. Uh, and so I just, I take lots of notes like that. And I hope to use it when all of this is over. It's been so great that people have been giving resources out for free or for a much better price uh, as an actor. Like the classes and such could be super expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's been just incredible to see casting directors give their time and answer questions. It's, it's just been incredibly generous of them. And I'm trying to take as, as much of advantage of it as I can during this time. Yeah, I think it's great, especially the casting director stuff for actors, like, you know, getting an idea of what casting directors are looking for so you can be more prepared when you walk in there. Yeah, if, you, if we can be as prepared as possible, I think that's, well, there's only, you can't control that much when you're in the audition besides doing your part, doing your best. But if you can, you know, if you can get any leg up, you can, I say go for it. So you're in Texas. You clearly, don't, you clearly don't have a Texas accent. I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a, a great observation on your part. I'm actually not originally from Texas. I was born in Arizona. And Arizonans don't really have an accent. If you're from a different country, we all probably sound like we have an accent. But Arizonans, it's kind of a, more of a, it's in the Southwest and it's more of a flat kind of what you would think of as like a typical American accent. Texan, the Texan accent can range anywhere from, howdy y'all, my name's Alan, and it can be like the most stereotypical thing ever, or can be a little bit more, I don't know, refined is the best way. But I only moved to Texas uh, a couple of years ago, so I have kind of stuck with my native Arizona neutral accent. I you guess. wanted to stick with the warm places. You didn't want to get too cold by moving too well, far. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I went to school in a cold place. I went to college in Michigan, of all places. So it's in the north, very close to Canada, and it is quite cold. Mm. So I actually have my fill of both weathers. And it, college was definitely worth it. I loved the place I went to. I am done, really, with cold places. Unless I need to go shooting there, which I would love to go. Uh -huh. Totally up for it. But I actually broke my ankle my freshman year of college, slipping on black ice. So I don't have the greatest memories of being cold weather. But yes, uh, the hot weather, it's been part of my life forever. And you, but you didn't study acting, right? You studied English, is I that right? I did not. I, I studied English. I actually thought that I wanted to be a teacher. I, well, I'd always loved acting since I was a kid. In high school, my parents were like, you're not going to make very much money doing theater. And it's true. And I thought, well, I love kids. Maybe I could be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher. Maybe I would have the same gift. I don't. Uh, my freshman year of college, I tutored at a lot of different schools and realized, I don't like this. And I don't, I'm not good at it. Um, and I actually, I got, I broke my ankle and I actually got sick my, during college. Um, I have something called sleep apnea, mm. which is a, uh, sleep disorder, so to speak. Uh, I could go into detail. I'm not going to do that. Basically it mm. means that I don't get enough oxygen to my brain while I'm asleep. So my body wakes itself up, which drags me out of REM sleep, uh, over and over and over again. And so I wake up with headaches because I wasn't getting enough oxygen. So I didn't have very much energy for a couple of years in college. Uh, and with acting, you need a ton of energy. Yeah. And so I looked for the smallest major I could because I just wanted to finish. Uh, some people don't know this, but I almost dropped out of college because I was so tired and thinking I was so behind in classes, I wasn't going to be able to finish on time. Thankfully, English was only 27 credits. And of course I had to hit like 104, 124 credits to graduate. But with a couple of uh, summer classes, I was able to finish on time. And I also love to read and write. So I, I, it worked out really well for me. I did do a couple of plays 
with small parts uh, during college. Uh, and I actually, I got better my senior year and I was able to actually get a lead part to play, which was amazing. What was the, what was the play? What was your first uh, leading role in a play? It is called Dancing at Lunasa, which is written by an Irish playwright. It was actually made into a movie in the 90s with Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. It is about a bunch of sisters in Ireland. So we all got to use Irish accents, which was awesome. So it's more of like an ensemble drama. I played the sister who was kind of the comic relief, which is always my favorite thing to do. And it was, it was so much fun. I'm so glad I got to do it. And is that what kind of uh, motivated you to, to start looking at a possible career in acting or it that come later? Me. I was super confused during college, obviously, with me being sick and not mm-hmm. knowing what to do. I decided to take a year off after college and I did a leadership discipleship program in Texas, which is how I got here. Mm-hmm. My brother had actually done it uh, about five years, I guess, before I'd done. And he came out much more focused. Uh, he really knew what he was good at. Um, he became a, just a lot more confident. And I thought, that's what I need. So I actually did that. The program's called The Forge, and it's located in Little Tyler, Texas, which is, I guess, an hour and a half outside of Dallas. I don't know if you're familiar with the Texas area. I've driven through Texas, which is an excruciatingly long drive. Oh, it is. I'm so sorry. So I did a road trip where we drove down from Seattle around through like Utah and stuff, New Orleans, and then back through from New Orleans through Texas. Oh, and uh, I applaud you. Yeah, that was uh, so drive. the Texas portion was just so long. Yeah, it really is. But I also had been to uh, Lubbock, Texas a few times. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's the best part of Texas to visit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas is so huge. West Texas in particular is incredibly hilly and dull. Mm. and it's just not the most fun driving experience. I applaud you. That is quite the drive. And I will say uh, Lubbock uh, had the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. And well, it was it was a proper something. steak restaurant where like your options are steak and whatever side you want with your steak mm. uh, was on the menu and it was delicious. That is something I do love about Texas. We do cook food well. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, this was a very long tangent. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, okay, so. <laughs> no, 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 this was not against you. You were asking me how I got to acting. And yes. I asked you about Texas and that's how we got there. Got distracted. So I, <laughs> it's totally fine. So I did this leadership discipleship program and it was an eight, an eight month program. It was really, really cool. And I, during it, was really considering moving to LA to pursue acting. I had just really, realized how much I missed it. And in between graduating and doing the forge, I did a summer where I worked as an extra in Austin, Texas. Uh, my parents, my parents, my parents had relocated to Austin while I was in college. So from Arizona to Austin. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a good bit of independent filmmaking going on there. Richard Linklater is there. Robert Rodriguez is there. I didn't get to do anything with them, but I did get to be an extra on quite a few things. And it just made me remember how much I loved it and how much I wanted to do it. So during the Forge, I was considering LA. I was looking for a place to live. I was looking for a part-time job. I was looking for a church. And things just didn't, it kept not coming together very well. It was really far away. I didn't know very many people there. I think I knew three people. and which people do all the time. People move to LA who don't know a soul and I applaud them. I just, I didn't feel great about it. And I was actually offered this job at a church in uh, Fort Worth where I live presently, uh, working with fifth and sixth grade kids. I still loved kids, even when I I realized I didn't want to be a teacher. And I thought, you know, uh, working with kids in this kind of atmosphere might be what I enjoy better, and I might like that more than teaching. I feel like I knew that if I didn't try it out, I was going to regret it because I had always, I would always think, what if? So I, I accepted the job in Fort Worth after the Forge ended, came here, and immediately realized that I missed acting too much. 
uh, and that I did not want to work at a church for the rest of my life. So I, I finished out my internship uh, for a year, and I tried to do extra work uh, around that time, but my it was a part-time job at the church, but it was, I called it my full-time part-time job because it had to come first before anything else. And so I wasn't able to pursue acting really at all while I was doing it. So I finished the internship, also considered moving to Atlanta around that time. Uh, one of my college roommates was there and I went and visited her. But after a while, I thought, you know, why don't I, I start out in Texas, try to make connections there, get experience there where I have family, friends, and a supportive group. Uh, because that's super important as an actor to have a community. Uh, well, of course, just a person in general, but to have a community that supports you. And it just it makes things so much easier, especially when it's hard. So I decided that I would stay in Texas for a few years and kind of feel my way into the industry, get experience, and then kind of go from there. So <laughs> that's a very long-winded answer. But I've been pursuing acting full-time now since that job ended for about a year and a half. It'll be two years in September. Wow. And you're doing, all, doing okay, making enough of a living at it? No, I am not <laughs> making a living. <laughs> um, I mentioned a while back that I work at a coffee shop. Yep. And it is actually located inside my church. We are big enough that we have a fully functioning coffee shop. Mm. I had gotten a job at a bookstore, a part-time job, right after I left the church. And they let me go a month in. Uh, apparently, temporary meant six weeks and not six months. So that was a fun surprise. And I needed a job. I was out of a job for a month. And I was told, hey, they're looking for people at coffee shop. You should totally apply. And I was like, but I just left. That would feel so awkward to go back. But they, they paid me to be there for my interview. And they said I could start right away. So I've been working there part time ever since. And that is what has been. Do you find it, because um, I, I, I worked at a coffee shop, I worked at a Starbucks when I kind of first started out many, many years ago, and I, it would be nice because at, at, a, at a Starbucks, it's easy to find somebody to cover a shift for you. And mm -hmm. so let's say, hey, I've got an audition tomorrow at 12 o'clock, you can call around and find somebody else because, you know, you just need another barista that can do the same job. Do you, are you able to do that if, since it's a smaller coffee shop or is that still kind of hard for you if you have an audition, like a last well, minute audition? It's, it's been an experience because I have been learning how to ask people for help uh, and asking people to cover my shift. We don't actually have that many people who work there and it's actually ironic. Most of the people who work there are artists of some kind. Uh, we have a musician, we have an editor, uh, we have me as an actor, but everyone else has other jobs. And so I, in the beginning, I had a really hard time being like, can you cover my shift? Because there's really not that many people to ask and they were busy at first. After a while, I realized, come on, Morrison, like you're never going to be able to go to an audition unless you ask people. Uh, being assertive, it does not necessarily come uh, natural to me. It's a skill I've had to work on over the years, which is hard because as an actor, of course, you have to be assertive and you have to promote yourself. You have to put yourself out there all the time. So it's I, I learned that I had to do it. And thankfully, uh, the people there were great and they, they have covered my shifts for me uh, whenever I've had to drive to Austin or Dallas for something that They've been so kind. And so it has it has turned out that way, which has been fantastic. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So you mentioned having to drive to Dallas and Austin for mm -hmm. for work. Is do you is it harder, do you think, to find work there? Because when I think of kind of acting centers, you mentioned um, you know, obviously LA, everybody thinks of that, but then Atlanta and stuff. I do think Austin a little bit, but I don't necessarily think Dallas. Dallas does not come to mind. I know yeah. there are quite a few commercials that shoot in Dallas, which is interesting. So there are a lot of commercials in Dallas and there are more film and television opportunities in Austin. Uh, so my agent in Dallas has gotten me commercial auditions. Uh, those have actually been the majority of the auditions I've had in Texas uh, are commercials. Mm. There aren't a ton of fi uh, films, big budget films that come to Texas. 
um, we are passing a bill. Well, we were. No, I think it. I think it happened last fall where we upped tax incentives so that people could come to film here and um, get a better tax break. And hopefully, I say hopefully, with COVID happening, people might be more interested in coming to Texas because it's more. Well, it's huge, and there's a there's a, it's so much more laid out. Uh, it, it's not cramped like it is in LA or Atlanta, so people might feel the freedom to come here and feel maybe more safe. Um, oh, it makes sense. Shoot, kind of more spread possibly, out a little bit, which would be awesome. We'll see if that happens. How long of a drive is it from Fort Worth to Austin? It is about a two and a half hour drive. Okay, which is really so, not that bad. Yeah, that's doable. Yeah, um, I you so you have an agent. And you mentioned that he gets mm-hmm. you, or he or she, she, she. So, so you mentioned that she gets you auditions in Dallas. Does she does she have get you anything in Austin or anywhere else, or is it mostly she just sticks to the to the Dallas area? Well, actually, she she covers all of Texas and kind of the southern market. So mm-hmm. Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana. I have two other agents, actually. I have one oh. in New Mexico uh, at Bergen Mayor Worldwide. Shout out to Peter. He's awesome. Uh, he covers the New Mexico uh, area for me, which is actually becoming a big hub. When I first heard about that, I was like, what? Why? Uh, Netflix has moved to New Mexico. Apparently, they've got some huge tax rates there. Um, Hulu has an office there. Breaking Bad was filmed in New Mexico, and that brought in a lot of work. Uh, and so he's been spending me there. Um, and then I have an agent in Detroit, actually, who covers the Chicago market uh, as well. Uh, I forgot to say, my, so my Dallas agent, she represents me in the Southern market, but she also submits me to stuff all over the country, Atlanta, LA, New York. So I, I covered basically in the United States. Wow, that's handy. Do you have a problem working with multiple agents? Does that make um, getting work, like let's say say you find a job and which agent does it go to or do your agents, what if one of your agents accidentally submitted you to the same thing? How does does that work? That has not happened yet where two agents have submitted me for the same project. Well, that might have happened, but they haven't, I haven't been submitted by two and gotten the job. Uh, if that happens, that will be interesting. Uh, I did I didn't wonder that when I first got a couple of agents. Like, how does this work? Basically, whoever gets me the job, that's who the cut goes to. Okay. So if my Dallas agent gets me a job in New York, she gets a cut when I do that job. Um, I had to learn at the beginning how what booking out meant. I thought that meant booking out anything where I was traveling. But actually, it really means like if I have a, like an acting job. Um, last year, a, seven of my friends got married last year. Uh, and so I, as an actor, you, sometimes you can have a lot of free time on your hands because you're in between projects. And I was in between projects a lot last year. So I went to all these weddings. And I didn't know this, but I had a, an agent in Atlanta, actually, um, who kept me a month ago, uh, which was hard. I, I hadn't booked anything from her in, a, in about nine months. What I discovered was that when I booked out with her on those dates when I was traveling, that meant she couldn't submit me to auditions. Like I could, she couldn't even submit me to things. So I didn't, I didn't realize that I could film a self-tape in a hotel room uh, while I was traveling and send it in that way. And so that actually cut me out of a lot of auditions that I could have been submitted to. So that took time to figure out, you know, uh, only book out when you actually have like an actual job. And all actors, I'm sure, have to go through stuff like this and learn stuff kind of the hard way. Um, so far, it's, it, besides that, it's, it's been a good experience with, with my agents. Yeah, it, it, and I was curious about that too, because let's say you get a booking it's, you know, a, a gig for a few weeks or something like that. Is your job okay with you then taking that time off? Or are you going to then have to leave the job? How's that work? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and I don't know the answer because I have not booked anything with my agents so okay. far. Are they, um, have you had them for, how long have you had them? Uh, I've had my Dallas agent since August. 
my New Mexico agent since November and my Detroit agent since January. Oh, so very recent. Yeah, very, very recent. Uh, I, the first year of me pursuing acting, I did it all by myself. I, re, I would submit myself projects. I did all the research and it was pretty exhausting. Uh, and, but I had a coach actually, I had a coach reach out to me and say, Hey, I would love to help you with your work. And so he actually helped me get headshots and make a, a legit demo reel. Uh, and what I didn't know was that, um, agents have access to so much more, uh, so many more casting calls than actors do. And I realized that it, it would be better if I actually got an agent. So, uh, I started submitting stuff uh, to people into agents in early August uh, and actually got my, uh, my Dallas agent pretty quickly, which was wonderful and a huge blessing. So yeah, it's been recent. I've been told that the first few years for actors are pretty slow. You're still making connections. You're still making uh, relationships uh, with people. So it's, it's, it's definitely been hard to not have as many auditions as I was like, as I would like. Um, but it's, it's all been a really great learning experience. And, um, yeah. How did you submit to the agents? Cause this is, cause this is actually a, a, when I messaged you, you mentioned that you send postcards to agents and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So kind of, can you talk about that a little bit? Cause yeah, I think sure. that, uh, yeah. I didn't send postcards out originally. I sent out emails with, um, links to my headshots, my resumes. I had set up everything on Actors Access. Uh, I think I had, I had gotten on Casting Networks by then, but I was definitely on Backstage. I've been on Backstage for a couple of years now. I did a whole bunch of research from IMDb Pro, and I, this is a separate spreadsheet for my casting directors, but I made a list of agents in the Mexico area, Texas area, the Atlanta market, Florida, LA and I wrote emails. I wrote a cover letter and I, I sent my cover letter to, gosh, how many? Uh, at least a hundred people, if not more. I just kind of wondered to see if they would write me back. And some people did. And, and that's how I got most of my agents. I haven't sent postcards to agents. I've sent postcards to casting directors, uh, producers. And I, I got coached on that. I'm like, what to put on there? Uh, usually for my postcards, I've got maybe three different of my headshots. I've got different postcards. I've got like a theatrical postcard and then a commercial postcard, uh, my contact information, and then my actor's access link. Um, when I first started doing postcards, I had all of my agents' contact info, which really made it look cluttered and probably was a little too much. Uh, and so my coach actually was like, let's just make it simpler and just put your contact info, your headshots, and then your, your resume link. So that's, that's what they are right now. It's evolved over time. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, I've heard some casting directors and stuff take those and they, you know, put them in a file and save them for later and might pull them out later on. But it's, but it's interesting because um, probably the, you know, I don't know, quite a while, 20 years ago, um, when I first started uh, trying to make a living in actor before I left acting, went corporate and then went back to acting. And it was back in the days when you'd actually go into an audition with your, your headshot on one side and then your resume stamped to the, you know, paste stapled to the other guy. But then my agent at the same time was always like, and then be sure, you know, get the information and then mail them a postcard afterwards, just thanking them for the opportunity to audition and that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of cool that when you mentioned postcards, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool that some people are still doing that and sending, you know, postcards out to people just to do something other than email, which is kind of the default, you know, email is easy, but it actually takes time. Yeah. And, and, and well, there's a does. cost too, printing the postcards and the postage and mm -hmm. all that stuff. I, I, I had done quite a bit of emails as well, uh, where I, I did kind of the same thing. I sent out to agents, like the same kind of format. And I've had People, I think my coach started telling me a lot of that could just go straight to spam because people don't know who you are and they can just delete it. I was able to get on at least one casting director's uh, list. Um, I had one person, I had one agent, uh, not agent, one casting director say, hi, I've added, I got your email uh, and I've added you to my 
online database, I guess that's what it is. So I did get some, I did get some feedback, but I, I, it took time doing those emails. And yes, the, the postcards have been, <laughs> have been expensive. I've sent out over a thousand, I think. Wow. Postcards. Yes, I've been holding off sending them during this time of COVID because people aren't at the office right now, and then it would just pile up in the mail. Um, so I'm holding off on postcards for now, and I, I've been focused on interacting over social media with casting directors. That's a good idea. And I like, too, that you have, you said that you have different postcards, like one for mm -hmm. um, commercial work and one for other stuff. It, so that's kind of a good idea, too. So you're actually looking at the agent and sending the appropriate one to that, or sorry, the casting director and sending the appropriate one to that casting director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, I had a, a, a medical one as well. And um, I was sending them to, you know, all the Chicago shows and Grey's Anatomy and uh, New Amsterdam. Uh, and then I, I got new headshots and I just decided the medical one I had just wasn't a great look. And so I redesigned it. And I'm just now sending out theatrical and commercial headshots now. Um, I'm curious, since you've kind of been doing this long enough, like how, what, what is, how do you deal with hearing no? Because mm -hmm. you know, a lot of actors think, hey, I'm going to go out there, send my headshot, and I'm going to get cast in the next, I don't know, James Cameron production or whatever. And, uh, but really, actors hear no more than they hear Yes. Mm -hmm. Or usually what they hear is, oh, that's great. That's great. I love it. Thanks. Uh, and then, you know, send you on your way and you never hear from them again. Yeah, it is. It has been hard. I won't lie. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, it is. It's definitely. I remember when I first got my agents, I'm like, yes, I'm going to start getting projects, you know, in a week or two. And I'm going to leave the coffee shop and I'm never going to have to work here again. And it was months before I got my first audition. Um, and then I, I didn't get it. And then I had to wait some more. And it's, uh, it's hard to be patient uh, while you wait uh, and to hear no. And, you know, driving to Austin for a 10-minute audition. Uh, I did a 10-minute audition for Whataburger a couple of months ago. And then that was it. And I was done. I was like, do I, do I drive back to Dallas on the same day? Thankfully, my parents were there. And I was able to spend the night with them and then drive back. Uh, but it's it's been a challenge. Uh, I've been filling my time with self-promotion, postcards, um, doing life here with friends as well, and just trying to fill my time with life stuff so that I don't just sit and wallow in like, oh, I got, haven't heard anything. Because that's, if you're not careful, you'll just stew in that and you'll doubt yourself and be like, so do I not have great headshots? And but I went to LA, actually, I flew to LA to get quality headshots from a guy there, Andy Rooney, Exact Digital. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, shout out to him there. Shout out to Andy. He's fantastic. Um, and so I had, uh, so I, I've had great headshots and a, and a great demo reel. And so you can definitely doubt yourself. And, and I have as well, like, do I actually have any talent? Am I actually any good at this? I also got into class. Uh, there's a Fort Worth Actors Studio here in Fort Worth. Um, I was driving to Dallas for improv classes and stuff like that. And it's, it's a 45 minute drive over there. And I'm just like, wouldn't it be great if there was something here? And there is. And the teachers are working actors, which is really cool. And being with that community of actors, and we're all going through the same thing. That's been really encouraging to both work on my craft and feel like I'm actually accomplishing something also to be with other people who are experiencing the same thing and celebrate them when they do get auditions and when they do get parts um and they we encourage each other when you know we go months without booking anything and so that's really really helped having a community has really helped me get through it uh, but yeah it's hard rejection really stinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's good that you have the the community to, that is in the same scenario so you all know what it feels like yeah, you also get the feedback from class, and I've been blessed with a really encouraging place. When I've wondered, like, am I even any good at this? Maybe I just really suck. Maybe I'm just not good at acting. And I've gotten feedback from people like, no, you're really doing great. It's just uh, if you have talent, just the right project hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, that's the hard part. 
And sometimes even when you do have the talent and everything, yeah, it's there's a bit, a bit of luck involved as well. But it sounds yep. like you're you've got it going right. I mean, you've got agencies covering almost the entire United States for you. <laughs> you've got uh, you're doing the classes and everything, so that's good. That's great. Yeah, I'm trying to do as much as I can. Uh, I've read. I was just reading Jenna Fisher's book about her time before the office and then her time on the office. She was in Hollywood for eight years before she got her role as Pam on the office. And she talks a lot in her book about making your own luck and doing everything you can to get your work noticed, to be in classes, to meet people. And so I've been trying, doing as much as I can on my part and also telling my agents, like, I know I haven't booked anything, but I am working really hard on other things so that they know that I'm not just slacking off over here wondering why they're not doing their job because they are submitting me. Uh, I just haven't gotten anything yet. That's fair. Have you had a conversation with them about the type of work uh, and type of like, uh, you know, characters you want to go for and type of roles that you're yeah, capable totally. of playing? Uh, when I was first talking to them and auditioning for them, because you have to audition for your agents, uh, we talked about kind of the roles I see myself playing and then what they saw me as. Um, I, I think my niche, at least for right now, is more of a supporting character or like a funny office co-worker. I would love to be on a sitcom. Like, I think that would be so much fun. Um, but also I've actually, something I learned in acting class is that I do really well in dramatic, well, I love drama as well, but I do really well in dramatic roles like police officers and uh, people in authority, lawyers and stuff like that. So that was a fun discovery. I was like, oh, I can do that too. So uh, we have had discussions of, you know, I could do this, this, or this, or this, this, or this. Um, and so we're, and that has evolved too. Like also, like I was just saying, things I've learned in class. Uh, and so I've, you know, I've made, I've done monologues to myself doing those kinds of roles and then sending them to my agents. And so it, they're two very different things, kind of the, the fun sidekick character and then the more serious dramatic character. Hopefully that catches people's eye, lets them know that I have range. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's interesting because I think especially a lot of actors, uh, younger actors too, um, uh, might, you know, fresh out of school or wherever and like, I can do anything. And the reality is, Maybe, but maybe you should try to focus on something, especially mm -hmm. when you're starting out and, uh, and, you know, get that and then kind of work your way into other stuff. Yeah. Uh, something I learned from class, uh, we, it, there was one uh, class where we talked about archetypes uh, we talked about like the different genre of characters. And uh, that was really informative of like, okay, maybe I don't quite fit the um like the sage old wide person uh wise person but i'm i'm only 25 so obviously <laughs> i don't really uh match that demographic uh but i could fit into these other characters and so knowing your strengths is super important and communicating them to other people is also super important i completely agree yeah absolutely that's great how do you deal with uh self-tapes now especially i i think a lot of casting agents even now so are that are doing castings but are realizing like hey i can even do more castings via just self-tapes so mm -hmm. in the future i think that's going to be even more so than it had been in the past uh, how do you deal with doing self-tape auditions versus in-person auditions it has been a learning experience and of course it's been for quite a few a few others too i've actually never done a self-tape in my uh apartment before i had always gone to the studio to have someone take me or gone over to a friend's house and they had like a, uh, like a part of their house that was just self tape uh, equipment and stuff. Uh, so I had to figure out like, okay, where in my apartment do I go? Do I have a nice background for this? Do I have a lighting for this? Uh, that's when I discovered that I really needed a tripod because the camera has to be eye level. I was like, oh snap, what am I gonna do? So the first time I did a self-tape, I actually got a bunch of my big books from college and stacked them on my dining room table uh, very haphazardly to put my iPad 
like it was really really funny i have a picture of it somewhere i'm just like okay so i need to invest in some equipment because that's important um so a tripod a ring light um and i got coaching too uh, i've been able to do zoom coaching sessions with some teachers and get their feedback and that's that's been really really helpful because a lot of times um, and of course this happens for every young actor what you were trying to portray does not come off that way it comes off differently uh, and so getting that feedback has been really careful careful it's been really helpful that's what I meant to say and so I've, I've sent you know a couple, my, a couple of my takes to my teacher from the Fort Worth actor studio and he's given me feedback I'll tweak a few things um, and then I'll send it off to my agent and then she'll do with it as she will so it's, it's a trial and error process for sure. And I've learned quite a bit. She's actually gotten me five auditions during quarantine, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Danette. She, that's, uh, that's more auditions than I have since I started with her. And a lot of them have been open asking calls for agencies. They're just looking for new talent. Mm. Uh, but it's given me plenty of experience of, okay, let's try this angle. Let's try this kind of lighting. Um, the more, the more practice, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. For yeah. sure. As with anything in life. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we'll probably wrap it up here really soon, but, um, two final questions for you. Sure. Uh, first one is, um, what's something in the special skills section of your resume that, uh, that, uh, is kind of a unique thing to you? Uh, well, this is a new question I've, I've started asking yeah, people, by the way. Yeah, that's a great question. So you're, you're, my, you're my, you're my uh, guinea pig on this okay. question. Mm -hmm. uh, well, something fun that has not gotten me a job, but it's just something fun about me, is that I can beatbox. I taught myself how to beatbox at a young age, and that's just a fun skill that I can pull out of parties. And people are like, whoa. I worked at a children's summer camp for four summers, and my camp name was Boots and Cats because boots it sounds and, like sorry, Boots and Cats. Boots and Cats because <laughs> the the uh, well, it's short for Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats, it, which goes on forever. Which sounds kind of similar to how I beatbox. So, uh, so that's a fun skill. Um, I can also I started taking a few stick shift lessons. You don't know how to drive uh, a stick shift. I don't. I'm a millennial. Wow. Or I'm a young millennial. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, my first car was, uh, was a truck that was an automatic. And so um, I have heard of jobs where people who didn't know how to drive stick shift could not get the job. Wow. And so I was like, oh, snap. That's something I can learn how to do. So a friend of mine from church actually has a stick shift car. And he's been kind enough to let me try it. and. Um, so I've taken a couple lessons and I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, I'm not an expert, uh, in any sense of the word, but it, not a lot of people my age know how to drive a stick shift. They're just not as, um, just not as common here in the States. Are they more of a thing in Britain? Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of funny because people have asked me that they're like, can you drive a stick shift? Kind of making fun of me. Cause I'm from the U S thinking, assuming I can't. And I'm like, yeah. Um, but, but they don't realize that, yeah, I mean, a, an automatic uh, transmission, that's what everybody drives in the States. Not a lot of people drive a manual and yeah, uh, they're mostly, not a lot of cars are being made as stick shifts. Yeah. So that's probably why that's the thing. So yeah, it's not, you, it's not something you really need to know there. And not necessarily, <laughs> uh, another, another thing I do is, uh, I worked as a Wrangler for a summer, a horse Wrangler. Uh, so mm -hmm. I. Uh, I mean, I can ride horses, the Western style. Uh, nice. I spent a summer in uh, jeans and boots in the Texas heat, which was a humbling experience. Uh, and I also worked 17 hour days. So I can never complain about work, long work days again, because I know that I can do it now. I may not enjoy it very much, but I know that I can do it. Um, I, summer. uh, I, I kind of was raised around horses myself, my sister rodeos and everything, but I'm, I'm, I was never really much of a horse rider. I mean, I know how to ride horse, yeah, and, but, um, I, I, I prefer motorized vehicles. But anyway, so I went to, um, I went to Zimbabwe once and it was on this uh, trip down there and we did a, a horse thing and 
the, the guy that was running, it was like, oh, you know how to ride a horse? I'm like, yeah, I know how to ride a horse, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he gave me their uh, Apollo horse. And, Apollo horse. Yeah. Interesting. And, and, yeah. And so it's used to like running and it was just really like hard to control horse. And it was such a pain in the ass to control this horse the whole time that we were out on our little, uh, you know, trail. And so when they're on the way, kind of getting towards the end, and then we started doing these like horse riding games and stuff. And I just got si- tired of dealing with this horse. I'm like, I don't really like, you know, and um, I don't like polo horses. <laughs> yeah, <don't laughs> like, I'm like, I just want to sit here and relax on my horse, you know? And, and I, and, and so there was this other girl that was there and she was on like the, you know, just about on its deathbed horse, just real slow. Oh, dear. And, that's and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll trade with you. Not really thinking much about it. So we swapped horses and literally within like three minutes, the horse mm. that I had been on and she was on now, like just took off, fucked her off. And, um, you know, so she hits the ground and then the horse just <laughs> takes off out into the, out into oh the wilds. Yeah. And the guys had to go chasing this horse down and stuff. And it was like, yeah, see, that's what I had to put see? up. See? <laughs> they're taking the horse, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I do know what polo is, in case you were wondering if this poor American, well, here in America. I don't. If, if I this don't. poor American who had never lived in Britain, I do know what polo is. <laughs> That's okay. I know a few things, okay? I've been to England a few times, actually. And, have you? Um, oh. I have, yes. Uh, my family's been able to travel there uh, about 15 years ago. We went on this two-week um, not tour, but we went on this two-week uh, vacation to Scotland and England. Uh, and then in college, I was actually able to go on a study abroad back to England as well, England and, uh, England and Wales. Uh, so I've been there, and I've experienced the driving on the other side of the road confusion. Mm. Uh, if I ever have to do that, it's going to be a humbling and learning experience, that's for sure. But yes, I have been there, and I, I love England. It's, it's got so much history, and so many great writers live there. That's my nerdy side coming out. <laughs> the the literature. The literature. Oh. So many writers are from England. Okay, so last uh, last question: If people want to track you down, where can they find you? Great question. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. I have um, on Facebook and Instagram. I've got uh, my handle. I guess is at the official Alan Morrison. On Twitter, uh, there were actually more than one Alan Morrison's with my spelling. And so I am Alan Morrison 15 on Twitter. Uh, and then my YouTube channel is just my name. Um, you asked me in your email if there's anything I wanted to give a, a plug to. And something I do uh, as part of my downtime during COVID is that I watch uh, movies a couple times a week. I call it hashtag movie research night. I watch movies that I've never seen before that have won awards, are pop culture favorites I've never seen, uh, cult classics, and I review them and try to learn from them. Mm. So I watched Jaws and The Shawshank Redemption and Inception for the first time um, through that and tried to learn from, you know, these are things that people love. You know, why do they love them? These are award movies. Why have they won those awards? Uh, and so that's something you can find on uh, on Instagram are my reviews of those movies. And is that your, others. sorry, is that your Instagram like or is there a separate Instagram for that? Oh, it's on my Instagram. If you look for hashtag movie research night, I'm the only one who, who I'm <laughs> the only one who writes for that. And so you'll uh, you'll find it pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. So mo- hashtag movies research night to find out uh, Alan's research on those movies. So what do you think of Jaws? Uh, I watched it during the daytime, and I was really glad I did. Mm. Uh, it holds up really well. It does, yeah. Uh, for being scary, I was super impressed. Uh, I It was really fascinating to watch how not having something on screen can be just as scary, or even more so scary, and have that much more of an impact than having something on screen. Uh, so it was fascinating. There's all this trivia about Jaws. I went online and I read it all. Oh, okay. Uh, it was just so fascinating. Horror movies are not really my thing. That's mm-hmm. something I have learned. But I know I'm missing out on quite a bit. Uh, I, I did take a film class in college and we watched Psycho and, uh, gosh, we're going with Jack Nicholson. This is really sad. Oh, The Shining? Shining. The Shining. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so I, I have gotten a, a little bit of uh, help in those areas. But Josh was super impressive. And that was Steven Spielberg's like first big yeah. film, which is incredible. Like he was, he was super young. He was late 20s, early 30s uh, when he did that. And it's just like, hey, guy is good. Yeah, he's um, number one on my list of all-time filmmakers just because of the, you know, I mean, there may be better individual films out there that some people might argue, but uh, the range of stuff that he can do, I mean, from war dramas to, yeah, to Jaws to, you know, just everything that he's done is just across the board. He's a very talented filmmaker. Gosh, I'd love to do a film with him. I don't know if I would... But I don't know if he has any funny girl sidekicks in any of his movies, but or I could pull out one of my police drama uh, <laughs> personas. So, uh, Stephen, when you listen to this episode, totally look up Alan Morrison, cast her in something. Yep, and um, there you go. I just got you part. Now I oh, now I get my thank you, Milo. Ten percent <laughs> coming your way. Excellent. In about Excellent. ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, thank you uh, a lot, Ellen, for taking the time. That was a lovely discussion and very informative. Thank you for having me. It was so fun when you reached out and being like, someone wants to hear what I have to say. Yeah, well, when when I saw the the, the stuff that you put, I'm like, I, I think it's very informative for, for my audience. And so and uh, I, I, I now that I've talked to you, I agree with my initial assessment. Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Uh, there's a there's a lot of things that first time actors just don't know, and they don't really know where to look for those things. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I hope that you know me reading books and and watching movies and maybe trying to give people uh, an outlet where they can find some resources. Uh, I'd love to help people with that. Well, I think you did, and that's I mean that's the point of this podcast uh, is those kind of people starting out and stuff. And so I think that was very very helpful. Thanks. And Thanks when so you're much. huge and famous, I can refer back to this and be like, look, I fucked over yes. then. Way back in the day. We'll see. We'll see what the <laughs> Lord has. All <laughs> right. no well, well, you've got my support. I'm rooting for you. Uh, thank you so much, Milo. And <laughs> yeah, great support for you too. Great. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Milo. This has been awesome. Bye.